0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James Smith. The Country of the Pointed Furs by Sarah Oren Jewett. Chapter 5. Captain Littlepage. It was a long time after this... An hour was a very long time in that coast town where nothing stole away the shortest minute. I had lost myself completely in work when I heard footsteps outside. There was a steep footpath between the upper and the lower road which I climbed to shorten the way, as the children had taught me, but I believed that Mrs. Todd would find it inaccessible unless she had occasion to seek me in great haste. I wrote on, feeling like a besieged miser of time, while the footsteps came nearer and the sheep-bell tinkled away in haste, as if someone had shaken a stick in its wearer's face. Then I looked and saw Captain Littlepage, passing the nearest window. The next moment he tapped politely at the door. "'Come in, sir,' I said, rising to meet him, and he entered, bowing with much courtesy." I stepped down from the desk and offered him a chair by the window, where he seated himself at once, being sadly spent by his climb. I returned to my fixed seat behind the teacher's desk, which gave him the lower place of a scholar. "'You ought to have the place of honor, Captain Littlepage,' I said. "'A happy rural seat of various views,' he quoted as he gazed out into the sunshine and up the long-wooded shore.' Then he glanced at me, and looked all about him as pleased as a child. My quotation was from Paradise Lost, the greatest of poems I suppose you know. There's nothing that ranks, to my mind, with Paradise Lost. It's all lofty, all lofty. Shakespeare was a great poet. He copied life. But you have to put up with a great deal of low talk. I now remembered that mrs Todd had told me one day that Captain Littlepage had overset his mind with too much reading; she had also made dark references to his having "spells" of some unexplainable nature. I could not help wondering what errand had brought him out in search of me. There was something quite charming in his appearance; it was a face thin and delicate with refinement, but worn into appealing lines, as if he had suffered from loneliness and misapprehension. He looked with his careful precision of dress as if he were the object of cherishing care on the part of elderly unmarried sisters. But I knew Mary Harris to be a very commonplace, inelegant person who would have no such standards. It was plain that the captain was his own attractive valet. He sat looking at me expectantly. I could not help thinking that... With his queer head and length of thinness, he was made to hop along the road of life rather than to walk. The captain was very grave indeed, and I bade my inward spirit keep close to discretion. Poor Mrs. Begg has gone, I ventured to say. I still wore my Sunday gown by way of showing respect. Very easy at the last, I was informed. She slipped away as if she were glad of the opportunity. I thought of the Countess of Carbury and felt that history repeated itself. She was one of the old stock. She was very much looked up to in this town and will be missed. I wondered as I looked at him if he had sprung from a line of ministers. He had the refinement of look and air of command, which are the heritage of the old ecclesiastical families of New England. But as Darwin says in his autobiography, There's no such king as a sea captain. He is greater even than a king or a schoolmaster. Captain Littlepage moved his chair out of the wake of the sunshine and still sat looking at me. I began to be very eager to know upon what errand he had come. It may be found out some of these days. We may know it all the next step where Mrs. Begg is now, for instance. "'Certainty, not conjecture, is what we all desire.' "'I suppose we shall know it all some day,' said I. "'We shall know it well yet below. "'We have not looked for truth in the right direction. "'I know what I speak of. "'Those who have laughed at me "'little know how much reason my ideas are based upon.' "'He waved his hand at the village below.' In that handful of houses, they fancy that they comprehend the universe. I smiled and waited for him to go on. I am an old man, as you can see. And I have been a shipmaster the greater part of my life, 43 years in all. You may not think it, but I am above 80 years of age. He didn't look so old, and I hastened to say so. You must have left the sea a good many years ago, then, Captain Littlepage, Page, I said. I should have been serviceable at least five or six years more. My acquaintance with a certain... my experience upon a certain occasion, I might say, gave rise to prejudice. I do not mind telling you that I had chanced to learn of... One of the greatest discoveries that man has ever made. Now we were approaching dangerous ground, but a sudden sense of his sufferings at the hands of the ignorant came to my help, and I asked to hear more with all the deference I really felt. A swallow flew into the schoolhouse at this moment as if a kingbird were after it, and beat itself against the walls for a minute, and escaped again to the open air, but Captain Little Page took no notice whatever of the flurry. "'I had a valuable cargo of general merchandise "'from the London docks to Fort Churchill, "'a station of the old company on Hudson's Bay. "'We were delayed in lading and baffled by headwinds "'and a heavy tumbling sea all the way north, about and across. "'Then the fog kept us off the coast, "'and when I made port at last... It was too late to delay in those northern waters with such a vessel and such a crew as I had. They cared for nothing and idled me into a fit of sickness. But my first mate was a good, excellent man, with no more idea of being frozen in there until spring than I had. So we made what speed we could to get clear of Hudson's Bay and off of the coast. "'I owned an eighth of the vessel, and he owned a sixteenth of her. "'She was a full-rigged ship called the Minerva, but she was getting old and leaky. "'I meant it should be my last voyage in her, and so it proved. "'She had been an excellent vessel in her day. "'Of the cowards aboard her, I can't say so much.' "'Then you were wrecked,' I asked, as he made a long pause.' I wouldn't caught a stone of the lighter by any fault of mine. We left Fort Churchill and run out into the bay with a light pair of heels. But I had been vexed to death with their red tape rigging at the company's office and chilled with staying on deck and trying to hurry up things. And when we were well out of sight of land, heading for Hudson's Straits, I had a bad turn of some sort of fever, and had to stay below. The days were getting short, and we made good runs, all well on board but me, and the crew done their work by dint of hard driving. I began to find this unexpected narrative a little dull. Captain Littlepage spoke with a kind of slow correctness that lacked the longshore-high flavor to which I had grown used, but I listened respectfully while he explained the winds having become contrary and talked on in a dreary sort of way about his voyage, the bad weather, and the disadvantages he was under in the lightness of his ship, which bounced about like a chip in a bucket and would not answer the rudder or properly respond to the most careful setting of sails. "'So there we were, blowing along anyways,' he complained, but looking at me at this moment and seeing that my thoughts were unkindly wandering, he ceased to speak. "'It was a hard life at sea in those days, I'm sure,' said I, with redoubled interest. "'It was a dog's life, but it made men of those who followed it. "'I see a change for the worse, even in our own town here, "'full of loafers now, small and poor as it is, "'who once would have followed the sea,' Every lazy soul of em. There is no occupation so fit for just that class of men who never get beyond the fo'castle. I view it in addition that a community narrows down and grows dreadful ignorant when it is shut up to its own affairs and gets no knowledge of the outside world except from a cheap unprincipled newspaper. In the old days, a good part of the best men here knew a hundred ports and something of the way folks lived in them. They saw the world for themselves, and likes not their wives and children, saw it with them. They might not have had the best of knowledge to carry with them sightseeing, but they were some acquainted with foreign lands and their laws, and could see outside the battle for Kirk here in Dunnet. They got some sense of proportion. Yes, they lived more dignified, and their houses were better within and without. Shipping's a terrible loss to this part of New England, from a social point of view, ma'am. I have thought of that myself, I returned, with my interest quite awakened. It accounts for the change in a great many things, the sad disappearance of sea captains, doesn't it? A shipmaster was apt to get the habit of reading. A captain is not expected to be familiar with his crew, and for company's sake in dull days and nights, he turns to his book. Most of us old shipmasters came to know most everything about something one would take to reading on farming topics, and some were great on medicine but Lord help their poor crews. Some were all for history. Now and then there'd be one like me that gave his time to the poets. I was well acquainted with a shipmaster that was all for bees and beekeeping, and if you met him in port and went aboard, he'd sit and talk a terrible while about their having so much information and the money that could be made out of keeping em. He was one of the smartest captains that ever sailed the seas. They used to call the Newcastle, a great bark he commanded for many years, Tuttle's Beehive. There was old Captain Jameson. He had notions of Solomon's Temple and made a very handsome little model of the same, right from the scripture measurements. Same as other sailors make little ships and design new tricks of rigging, and all that. No, there's nothing to take the place of shipping in a place like ours. These bicycles offend me dreadfully. They don't afford no real opportunities of experience, such as a man gained on a voyage. No. When folks left home in the old days, they left it to some purpose. And when they got home... They stayed there and had some pride in it. There's no large-minded way of thinking now. The worst have got to be the best and rule everything. We're all turned upside down and going back year by year. Oh, no, Captain Little Page, I hope not, said I, trying to soothe his feelings. There was a silence in the schoolhouse, but we could hear the noise of the water on a beach below. It sounded like the strange warning wave that gives notice of the turn of the tide. A late golden robin, with the most joyful and eager of voices, was singing close by in a thicket of wild roses. This is the end of chapter five.